0: West Bulls. Good morning. That video hit a little sooner than I was ready for. I was just talking with somebody back there and went, "Oh, I'm supposed to be up there right now." So, hey, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, If it is, if you've been here, this is actually our last week going through the Book of Philippians. Thermometers and thermostats is what we've been talking about. If it's your first time, it's actually my first time as well. I just walked in and they handed me a microphone. So, no, actually, this week I felt like it was my first time. We were. Uh, there was one lady who was here for a women 's function the other day, and she, um, she just saw me I was going to grab a glass of water and she said um, it 's okay you can you can grab a, a glass of water if you want and I went, "Oh, thank you and I found out later she thought I was the janitor and so um, uh, and I was at one point like twenty years ago here and then uh, and then there was somebody else audience of one there uh, youth theater group that rents space from us here. I walked in the other day and there was a man and a woman who saw me trying to get through and they had stuff in the way, so I just said, I'll go around. And they said, well, if it's your first time, we could give you a tour of this place. And I was like, I mean, I'll let you. That, that's fine. So I got a nice tour of our building. Um, so anyhow. Well, if, uh, if it is your first time, my name is Nathan. I'm the pastor here. Thank you for joining us. And Um, I want to tell you, I came across a list, an article this week that I want to read to you because I have always wondered if everybody sees it the same way I do, and I doubt it, but I came across an article this week of the least liked words of 2019, least liked words of 2019, okay? And this is a list that as I look at this, you know, the first two are classics, They, they seem to be on this list every single year. But they just don't bug me, okay? The first one, what do you think the first one is? Wait, and keep it clean, please. You're in church, all right? Yeah, I heard it over here. Moist. Moist. I'm looking for people cringing right now. Who cannot stand the word moist? Really? Okay. All right, second one. It's another classic. Casserole. Casserole. Anybody not like casserole? Good luck at Thanksgiving this week. All right. Okay, the third one is like this new invented word that, as um, I read this article, they summed it up perfectly. They said, somehow, this word has made us sound dumber, okay? Here it is, me thinks, me thinks. Somehow, we've taken the phrase, I think, we've added letters, made it grammatically incorrect, and we don't sound near as smart when we say this, so, okay, and the fourth one, I mean, there were a bunch on this list, some of which I can't say because we are in church, but the fourth one was NOM, N-O-M. Like when you're really enjoying a a meal, it's NOM, 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 NOM. nom. Okay, so those four are are, uh, somebody's least favorite words of 2019. And I thought, huh, maybe I should give my least favorite words of not just 2019, maybe all time. All right, you ready? Number one, Buckeyes, Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm hearing amens over that one, and that's all I'm going to say, because there's a big game next week between the team I like and (sighs) that word. Anyway, all right, second one. Um, This is just one that when I hear other people say it, um, I cringe. If you fall in this camp, I still love you, but when I hear people say especially, but they say especially, especially, I just want to stop all I'm doing and say, it's especially, it's especially. Okay, but I can't totally point the finger because this next one is a word I have trouble with. I've had trouble with it my entire life. Rural. Rural. Let me hear you say it. See, that sounds so good. But when I do it, my mom, she has worked for this bank that technically they describe themselves, it's like a bank for farms, right, mom? Totally wrong? No? Okay. So a bank for farms, but they call themselves a Rural co-op, okay? So growing up when people said, oh, what do your parents do? I say, well, my mom works for a, uh, it's this place for rural co-ops, and they just kind of look at me funny. It's a bank for farms, okay? That's all you need to know. Finally, uh, this fourth word is just, it's just a reminder I've gotten my entire life. Tall, tall. (laughs) Tall. And I'm a little offended you're laughing that hard at that right now, but I shouldn't be mad at it because all my closest friends are taller than me, which is like this whole room. So anyhow, um, I bring all that up because this morning, there are four words that I want you to write down or yes, you have permission to take out your phones, uh, just stay on point here, all right? But whether you write them down or you put them into your phones or you just commit them to memory... These are four words that really have jumped out to me from the closing of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Because as you pay attention to the language of the New Testament and you pay attention to the different words that they use, these are not necessarily words that we get really, really thrilled at. In other words, they're, they're not adrenaline-inducing words. In fact, a good friend, Dan Mellamstrand, who is a tall guy, uh, but Dan Mellamstrand, he pointed this out a while back. He said, you know, oftentimes... We can be drawn to fireworks, right? The word fireworks puts in our mind excitement and adrenaline and entertainment, and it lasts for a few moments. But maybe God wants to draw us toward a different related word, fire. Maybe instead of fireworks, what God's really trying to build inside of us and do inside of us is create a fire. And so as I look at these four words that I just want to walk you through as we walk through the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians... I want you to think along those lines, because to me, these are thermostat words. As we've talked throughout Philippians, this idea that you can go through life like a thermometer and reflect the conditions around you, or you could go through life like a thermostat, where a power beyond you is at work inside you to affect what's around you. And as I look at these four words, and as I look at what Paul says, and then I look again at these four words, I realize these are the building blocks of a thermostat person who lives a thermostat life, no matter what the surroundings, no matter what the climate. These are the words that build a thermostat life. So the first word that I want you to write down actually is one that came from Paul, and he's reflecting on this financial gift that he was sent from the church at Philippi. They sent him money. They they became aware of his specific need, and they sent him money, and he says, oh, thank you so much that you've renewed your concern for me because the gift communicates that. But then he kind of goes into this side tangent thought that has become one of the most well-known passages in all of scripture. He says, he says, thank you for renewing your concern for me. And then he goes into this tangent thought. And the word I want you to write down here is learned. Learned. Here's what Paul has to say about that word. In chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 11, he says, I am not saying this because I am in need. In other words, thank you for renewing your concern, but I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Can you hear that? He says, I've learned. In other words, it takes a while. I've learned it's a process. I've learned it's not instant. I've learned it's not natural. I have learned, it's gotta be experienced. And what has he learned? To be content. In that imagery, uh, in that word content, what it really points at is that somehow inside, Paul says, I am sufficient. I have learned that inside, I'm internally, I'm sufficient, is what he's getting at. Learned means that we are students learned means that our heavenly father is a teacher. Learned means that our lives are the curriculum. See, when you get learned into your thinking, when you get learned into your vocabulary, when you get learned into how you view everything in front of you, you know what that's a statement of that you see here with Paul is I can accept all things. I can accept all things. That's not, I can accept the things that I can somehow have a choice in, that I have a responsibility for, that I somehow exercise influence on. No, this is, I can accept all things like the stuff I can't control. Like my human nature. Like what the, maybe the, at the government levels, when they're making decisions, if I don't love it or if I really like it, I'm, I'm still sufficient inside. When other people think thoughts or they make decisions, I'm still okay inside, even when it doesn't feel okay out there. When I wake up in the morning, regardless of what I'm hoping the weather will be, there's what the weather does. In fact, I was reminded, this, uh, reminded of this a few weeks ago. You remember that first big, big freeze we had, that snowstorm? It was like the kind of storm that we seem to get in February and March here in Colorado, but we got it in October. Well, I, was, I had the news on because I was just watching for closures and thinking maybe they'll, maybe they'll close West Bowles, the office for the day. And then I realized, oh, that's my decision. Um, but I'm watching it and they're interviewing, I just thought, man, what a slow news day. They're interviewing these kids in the parking lot of a high school and they said, they, they actually sent a reporter out there and she's talking to like these three kids, that must have been sophomores or juniors at this, at this high school. And... Here, here was the headline across the bottom of the screen. Teenagers not happy they had to go to school in the snow. And I was like, that is the dumbest news headline I've ever seen in my life. They're teenagers. They're, they're, it could be 80 degrees outside, and they're not content with being at school. But they're interviewing these kids, and this kid was like, my friends and I, we want to protest because we just don't think we should be at school today. It is so dangerous for us out here. And I, I'm yelling at the TV going... It could be sunny and you'd be mad they didn't call a solar day for for school because we're going to have three hours of sun. But isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? We often gravitate to something else. We gravitate towards comfortable, not content. We gravitate towards comfortable. But Paul says, no, I have learned. I have learned. It's a process. It takes time. Second word that I want you to write down is the word discovered. Discovered. Listen to what Paul says next. Second part of verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret. In other words, I've discovered something. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, I've discovered. In other words, there's something that's not readily apparent. There's something that's not obvious as you go through these experiences. Verse 13, and it's a verse that you've likely seen, heard, said, I can do all this. Some translations say I can do all things. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, this statement means a few things. And there's really a discovery when you look at this statement because as you think about where Paul is, Paul is in prison. Paul is in chains. And there's a realization that you have as you read this that, first of all, there is something deeper than the surface thing. That's why I had to write down the word discover, because in any situation that you and I face right now, there's what I think is happening on the surface, and then there's something underneath the surface. The second thing that I think Paul realized here is I don't have to do everything. I mean, here's Paul, Paul who had been around the Mediterranean, planting churches, Paul who had been so active, whose, whose passion for the Lord carried him everywhere, is now stuck. And Paul, Paul says, I'm okay. Inside, I'm sufficient because I don't have to do everything. And the reason he realizes he doesn't have to do everything is because of a third discovery in this passage. That when I can't do anything, God is up to something. In other words, in the middle of my adversity, God has his activity underneath the surface. Now, this is so interesting because when do we usually see this verse? Like after the Super Bowl, you know, when, when they're thanking and they want, they want to say their thank yous or they've just won the award at the, at the music show or the movie show, Remember, that's, that's usually when this verse comes out. And this is not a judgment on anybody who's, who's brought that verse out at all. But I have to wonder if Paul, if he was living today, if he'd go, what? I mean, I was in prison when I wrote that. In other words, if Paul was around today, this would be like Paul's football team just went 0 and 16. This is when he would write that verse. This would be like he just found out he's got a D or an F in a class. This would be like his girlfriend just broke up with him that there were cutbacks at work, that he was laid off. And Paul goes, even in the prisons of life, regardless of my circumstances, I'm still sufficient. Because why? Because of he who gives his strength. Paul would say, look, this is not just more of Paul's strength. This is not just more of your strength and my strength. This is more strength of the one whose strength carried his own cross this is the power that raised him from the dead at work. This is the same spirit that, that for a group of disciples who just couldn't seem to get it when Jesus was around, when he left, suddenly it was, it's that spirit at work. That's what this is, Paul says. See, when you get the word discovered into your living and into your vocabulary, see, when you, when you get learned there, you say, I can accept all things. When you get discovered, you know what you start saying? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I mean, I was, I was looking for an example of this to show you. And I've just, like, watched this video probably 200 times in the last few weeks. But this is kind of what would describe it for me. Maybe some of you have seen this, but take a look at this brief video. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I can know battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever All right, let me stop there for a second. I don't know if you can see it very well on that screen. You see that dog? Okay, here's what jumped out to me. Look at the mess around him. Look at the mess around him. I mean, you just think, man, how often would I be looking around at the mess around me and yet uh, here's this dog. Here, can we play play it a little longer? People in the background. Have no idea what's going on. But this guy, in the middle of even a circumstance like that, he says, I've discovered a secret. And the secret is what Paul has been pointing at throughout Philippians. I can rejoice. I can be content. Because there is something beyond me that's at work in me to affect what's around me. Third word that I'd like you to write down is the word supplied. Supplied. We have learned, we have discovered, we have supplied. Paul says this a few verses later in verse 18, and he's talking about the money that they sent him. He says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Do you hear that? I am amply supplied. In other words, this is a trusting there is an element of trust that I bring to this situation, that God has brought to this situation. I am amply supplied. That means Paul, Paul saw this earthly gift that he received as an answer from the heavenly realms. You know what Paul knows? is that the, One of the things God likes to do is he likes to talk about us behind our backs. God likes to tap somebody on the shoulder and talk to, talk to them about us. And say, you know, they have a need. They have a need for encouragement. They maybe have a physical need. There may be a spiritual need there. But God likes to tap people on the shoulder and talk behind our backs. And Paul saw it as that. Paul saw that this was a specific thing God was doing. That the work of the gospel actually gets very specific. It gets into our checkbooks. It gets into our calendars. It gets into our day timers. It gets into our decision making. And so as Paul received this gift, sure he said thank you to the Philippians, but really, who is it from? In Paul's eyes, it's from his heavenly Father. He said, "I am amply supplied." That he talked to the church at Philippi about a specific need, and he stirred in specific hearts to raise a specific amount of money, and then he tapped a specific name on the shoulder, Epaphroditus, who would take, he would travel a specific distance to bring Paul a specific gift. Let me ask you something. Would that that change things a little bit? I mean, if you knew that God was somehow talking to somebody about you and about your needs, whatever realm they land in, would that affect your contentment a little bit? I think it would. I think it would. See, when supplied gets into our vocabulary... You know what we start to say? You know what we start to think? I have all things. Learned says I can accept all things. Discovered means I can do all things. Supplied means I have all things. Maybe just just given the week that we're in, could we try something for this Friday? Okay, for some of you, it's Thursday, right? For some stores, when do stores open now for Black Friday? like 6 a.m. Thursday now, something like that, what if, what if that item that we have our eyes on, what if that need, or maybe what if that desire that we're thinking about, what if we just simply ask, God, you want me to have that? Do you want me to have that? Because asking that question and asking and saying that prayer, you know what it does? It reshapes our thinking. And it brings us back to the idea of contentment. What it says is, Lord, if you want me to have that, I trust you're going to supply the resources. And Lord, if I already have the resources to get it, I trust you're going to supply the direction. Because maybe, maybe you'll have it through a different means than you going out and buying it. Maybe that changes Thanksgiving and Black Friday for us a little bit this week. Just a thought, just an idea. One more word that I'd like you to write down. We've written down learned. We've written down discovered. We've written down supplied. One more word. Positioned. Positioned. Look at what Paul says in the very next verse, verse 19. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours. Isn't that interesting? Well, we were just talking about Paul all this time, and now Paul's going to flip it And he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know what statement he's making here? I am positioned. And this is one of my favorite, favorite parts of this entire passage, actually, because this was Paul. And this is Paul who, as we said a little bit ago, he was not a guy that just stood around. Paul was a guy that if there was a place he felt like there was a need for the gospel, he was going. And so Paul was all around the rim of the Mediterranean planting churches. And before he did that, he was actually all over the place going after Christians. But when Jesus got a hold of him, he went for the sake of the gospel. Every possible place he could go. And now here's Paul and he's sitting in jail. And he's not just sitting in jail, he's sitting in jail during a time in which the emperor is Nero. And if you were a Christian in prison at the time that Emperor Nero was in power, this was not a good thing. Emperor Nero used to light his gardens, as in with flame, with Christians on stakes. He would actually light his gardens up. Nero was not a fan of the Christians. And here's Paul. He could have been fretting. He could have been thinking about all that. And what does Paul do? Paul looks at his situation, and he realizes, I'm positioned. And he wrote. He wrote four letters. They're called the prison epistles, the prison letters. Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, and Colossians. And in those letters, you have some references to his situation. But you want to know whose situation he talks about most? Others. Not the conditions inside, but the conditions outside. And what Paul couldn't possibly know, and listen to this please, what you can't possibly know in the middle of your situation right now is what God is up to in the middle of your situation. Because there's something deeper than what you see on the surface. And even though it feels like you can't do anything, he is up to something. He has some activity in the middle of our Adversity. And so Paul, he looks around and he goes, Oh my goodness, I am positioned. See, so when you get positioned into your thinking, and when you get positioned into your vocabulary, and when you get positioned into your living, you know what you realize? You can say to others, You can have all things. I've learned, so as I can accept all things. I've discovered means I can do all things. I'm supplied means I have all things. I'm positioned means you can have all things. I guess maybe the best way to describe it would be the very thing we've been talking about for the last month and a half. I think about our thermostat on the wall. And I think about where our thermostat is in our house. And it's, it's probably not the ideal point. If you were to ask a thermostat, where would you like to be? I don't know, that, that might be needing to personify it. But if you could ask a thermostat, you probably wouldn't choose where you put them. That thermostat probably wouldn't want to be right there, right? But the thermostat is placed where there is maximum access to it. The thermostat is placed in one spot. And the thermostat is positioned for God to have maximum access in order to influence and shape and mold and affect the climate that it sits in. We, a couple years ago, got one of those Nest learning thermostats. And this thing has, um, it's been both frustrating and a blessing because every time you adjust it, it, it takes that adjustment and it programs that in for like every single day at that time, no matter what the temperature is in the house. And I thought, but that's what it is right there. A thermostat learns what the one who has access to it wants, It's supplied, and then it's positioned to affect everything around it. Do you think maybe, do you think just maybe God is looking for a thermostat? Because when you get the word learned into your vocabulary, you know what happens? You get contentment into your life. And when you get the word discovered into your vocabulary, you gain contentment in your life. When you get the word supplied into your vocabulary and your thinking and living, you gain contentment in your life. And when you gain the word positioned into your thinking, talking, acting, living, into your relationships, you gain contentment in your life. Because there's a truth here, that as I read Paul's close to his letter, as he ends his letter to the Philippians, it's simply this. That God will place a thermostat on the wall of any place He has plans for. Which means, which means you and I, if you know Jesus, we're thermostats. It means that wherever I go this week and wherever you go this week, God has installed you there, God has placed you there. And a thermostat doesn't, doesn't go, oh, well, this temperature is uncomfortable. If it's 100 degrees, thermostat's there on the wall. If it's 10 degrees, thermostat's there on the wall. Because it knows, I don't need what's around me to tell me about me. I can take what he's put inside me to tell me about me and affect those around me. And so, with that in mind, I'd really like to leave you as we we close the book of Philippians, four questions. Because these four words we've been talking about really, I believe, are stages that would probably probably describe every single one of us at some point in time. That is, some of us are probably in a learning stage. Some of us are probably in a discovering stage. Some of us are discovering our supply and what we've been supplied in Christ. And some are having our eyes opened to where we've been positioned. And so a few questions I'd love for you to think on ask yourself first one is tied to the word learned what is what is the lesson what is the lesson that you're tempted to get out of learning right now what is the lesson that as you look at the learning process it just feels like too much that it, it you'd rather call a snow day or a solar day you'd rather call a snow day and step out of class that day? What's that area where he's trying to share and teach a lesson that we're trying to get out of for the sake of comfort? Number two, tied to the word discover. Where am I looking at the surface of what's in front of me? Where am I looking at the surface of the situation in front of me? Forgetting that he has some activity Underneath the surface. Number three. It's tied to the word supply. Where am I thinking that something outside of me is going to fulfill what he's already put inside of me? What's that object that you're thinking, I got to have it, I got to have it, I got to have it, I got to have it. I will go into debt to get that because of what it somehow does for me. Where am I thinking something outside of me is going to fill what's, fulfill what's in, what he's already put inside of me? I couldn't tell you who said the quote, but I heard a quote a while back that said, maybe the greatest distraction of our enemy, our spiritual enemy, is that he has deceived us into thinking that we need to ask for what we've already been given. Finally, last question is tied to that positioning word. Where? 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 As you think through the different areas of your life and and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, what are the contexts in which God has installed you on the wall? Where has he placed you? Because he wants to give his power from beyond you, put it at work within you to affect what's around you. Where has he put you? Because when you can get these four words into your thinking, and living, and speaking, and decision making, you gain contentment in your life, regardless of the circumstances. And so, as the worship team comes back up here to close, would you think on those four words? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for words that may not be comfortable for us to think about. But as we look at your word, and as we think about the lives that you've used throughout your word and throughout history, these words are a common thread. These are the words of thermostat people who live thermostat lives. And so thank you for the letter to the Philippians that you somehow lifted Paul's head up from his own circumstances, that he could look at us and that he could begin to share exactly what it was you were communicating into him and through him. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.